Hey, good evening, everybody. My name is Chuck. I have a new life in Christ. I'm in recovery for codependency, anger, pride, and this week, a bit of resentment. Hey, guys, good to see you tonight. So I brought some things to kind of get this started tonight that I thought would be interesting to you. These are um, tools for my wife's toolbox. This is a hammer. I am familiar with it. I kind of know how to use it. I've used it a few times that are there. I think I've got a few others in here. Yeah, I've got, a, I've got a wrench. I've turned that every now and then. I've got a screwdriver. I've used that every now and then from time to time. But did you catch what I said? These are tools from my wife's toolbox. When, when we got married, Chris is the one that brought the toolbox into the marriage because it's not that I won't try to fix things. Oh, I will. I just tend to make a mess of them when I do. For instance, it was probably, I don't know, two or three years ago, my kids for um, Father's Day decided they, they bought a grill that they were using that they loved. They loved, to be a, they, they loved to cook with it, and they said, hey, you'd love this. So they had Amazon deliver it. Well, of course, once you take that thing out, it has to be completely put together. And I told Chris, I said, I got this. And she looked at me and went, okay, good luck with that. And so I started putting it together. She had left the room. She comes back in, and she has this evil grin on her face. And I went, what do you think? She said, you do understand you are putting this together upside down and backwards. <laughs> the problem is I didn't understand that at all. And so praise the Lord, she took that over and actually fixed that thing and we have cooked on it for a long, long time. See, the thing is, I really believe I can put things together. And ultimately, I really believe that I can fix things, but I am terrible at fixing things. Experience teaches me that I'm not as good as I think I am. And I want to say to you, what is true of home improvement projects is amplified 10 times when I try to take tools and I try to fix someone else's life. But I've tried to do that from time to time. I'll dive head first into trying to fix things that I have no business fixing. And so as you know, we have been going through the last few weeks a series on struggles, and we've looked at various struggles that bring us through these doors. And tonight's struggle is really all about those of us that want to fix. It is the struggle of codependency, so let's define it. Codependence develops in love-deficient relationships where internal brokenness exists. So someone struggling with codependence, often not even knowing it, look to another person to fill his or her need for love or significance rather than looking to God. So in a codependent relationship, God gets to take the back seat while the people involved in the relationship spend their time actually trying to be the solution for one another. And so in codependency, you see the enablement of sin, you see conditional love, you see weak boundaries and a sacrifice of personal identity in order to maintain this relationship. It's incredibly dangerous. Codependency is incredibly dangerous because on the outside, it actually looks like you may be doing a good thing. 
You're prioritizing someone else. You are trying to serve and help someone else that's there. It's dangerous because on the outside it can look good, but on the inside it's actually so damaging. And codependent people really begin to lose themselves when they start to care for another person. They will neglect their needs in order to take care of the needs of someone else. They struggle with saying no. They struggle with setting appropriate boundaries and to release control. They're always worried about this person that they are in this codependent relationship with. And sometimes all of that manifests itself in being clingy and needy and smothering to their loved ones. So the question I guess we ought to ask, and maybe you ought to be asking yourself as you listen to this, is codependency an issue for me? So I've got a few questions that might help you and a couple of examples that might help you. Look at that. You might be a codependent if you spend more time working on your wife's inventory than you do your own. Not saying that ever happened in my marriage. Yes, it did. Or you might be a codependent if you decide to take your kids to Chuck E. Cheese for your birthday. Chuck E. Cheese's pizza is not really at the top of the line, right? And so to go do that makes you perhaps a codependent. Or lastly, you might be a codependent if your favorite line from a movie in the early 2000s with Tom Cruise, you remember Jerry Maguire where he looked deeply in Renee's eyes and said, oh, you complete me. I needed a shower after that moment, but there you go. You might be codependent if that's where you find yourself getting, or maybe some questions that might help you to find the struggle. Is your attention focused on pleasing the other person? Or are your feelings about yourself tied to the love and approval you receive from the other person? Or maybe, lastly, is the quality of your life and happiness in direct relation to another's quality of life? and happiness. Now, for me, I will tell you that my codependence was even magnified because of my choice of vocation. As a person who has been in vocational ministry for most of their life full-time, I really got caught up in the idea that maybe people really needed me. They needed me in their life. They needed me to fix them. And here's the kicker to all of that. that. That made me feel good about me. In that moment, I became like when, when they would need me, I thought, man, I'm, I'm actually doing a good job here. But I will say, while my actions on the outside looked really, really good, the motivation on the inside was not good. Because instead of pointing them to Christ, I was actually pointing them to me. I've spent a lot of my life not self-aware. I wasn't aware of my own sense of self-importance, which is arrogance, or I didn't know how much I needed people to like me or need me, which is classically codependent. And so when we start to think too highly of ourselves and falsely believe that people really, what they really need is more of me, my time, my energy, my ministry, that becomes idolatrous and also deeply damaging to not only my soul, but my family's soul because I was distant and apart from them. But here's the the real kicker. It was damaging to the people that I was attempting to serve because instead of pointing them to Christ, I was pointing them to me. Our job is not to be 
Jesus. Our job is to believe in Jesus, depend on Jesus, submit to Jesus, working in and through us to accomplish his work. Our job is never to be responsible for someone else. But in our codependency, we will feel like that if they fail, it is our failure. If they succeed, it is our success. We've forgotten that only God can satisfy our need for love and acceptance, and he calls us to give our hearts to him fully and worship him alone. And when we are satisfied in his perfect love, then we can love another like God loves us, selflessly, with humility, always remembering who the source is. There are words from Scripture that I think really define this well from us. Paul, in, in writing to the church in Philippi, writes in Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Notice he says, work out your own salvation. Work out what you need to work out. For it is God, listen to, the, listen to how this is phrased, who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God creates the will in us. God creates the want to in us. This is a work of God from the beginning to the very end. We get in trouble when we insert ourselves into the middle of that thinking that we are necessary for God to accomplish his good purpose in the life of another human being. There's an old hymn that reminds us of how we really ought to posture ourselves. It has a line in it that says, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. That's where I find my significance. That's where I find my power. So if codependency is a struggle for you, what are you to do? I would say be reminded of these three things. Number one, you are significant to God. God designed you fearfully and wonderfully to bear his image. He made you with a purpose. You mattered so much to God that Jesus suffered and died to pay for your sins and offer you eternal life. And your value is set by Christ's blood on the cross. That means you're a big deal. You're a big deal because God decided that you were worth it. Here's the second thing. You and I, we're not the Savior. Because if we're working at somebody else's recovery harder than that person is willing to work and and our self-worth is tied to an ability to help, we're not the one who changes hearts. We're not the one who changes lives. We may be God's instrument, but we're not responsible for those anything, for those in any way. And so if we're continually excusing or recusing people and trying to, to, to not let them experience pain, the truth of the matter is sometimes God wants someone to come to the end of themselves. So the only place they can look is up. The only place they can look and say, God, I need you. And when I get in the way of that moment, I've not been a help, but I've been a hindrance that's there. Remember Jesus' word in John 
15.5 when he says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. My whole goal is to point others to Christ. And then lastly, I'd remind us that healthy relationships are interdependent, not codependent. God designed us in relationship. As children, we were designed to be completely dependent on our parents. As we moved into the teenage years, we decided to try to stretch and find our independence. And that is a part of the maturing process. But the more mature we become, the more we grow in our relationship with Christ, we learn that we need one another. We are designed to be interdependent one with the other. And that's where true growth happens. Interdependent relationships form when people actively, selflessly use their gifts for the mutual benefit of one another while guarding against unhealthy behavior and sticking ourselves in places where we don't really belong. So I brought some tools from my wife's toolbox, which I am not qualified to use. But I brought a tool from my toolbox that over time I've become qualified to use. This is the only tool that I need. Because in this word of God, I find out that I have lived a life that is unworthy and I have, I, have, I have not let God have complete control of my life. In this word of God, I find out that not only is Jesus my savior, but he lived, he, he lived the life by what he, he showed me what it was to live a life worthy of the calling that I've received. He died the death that I should die and he lived the life in, to enable me to live the life that I should live. That word of God reminds me that as a believer, the Spirit of God indwells me, both to counsel, to correct, and to comfort. And then he puts people in my life, the people of God, to counsel me biblically, to admonish me faithfully, to love me as he has loved me. But most of all, to point, everyone within my sphere of influence to the one who is the solution to their problem. And his name is Jesus. I can't fix anything. Jesus can fix everything. And because of that, we get to hear the story of how Jesus has loved my friend Corey and allows him at this moment to share God's story of grace as he shares that with all of us. Well, you all welcome my friend Corey.